Learning about the soil has been in just eye-opening to say the very least. It is a such a just a big part of agriculture health, the environment. And uh, Ray Archuleta is probably the number one expert when it comes to that topic. So I invited him on the podcast to give us a better understanding, uh, along with a lot more uh, than just soil. Welcome to the Sowing Prosperity Podcast with host Logan Duvall. This father of four is an Arkansas successful small business owner whose world was turned upside down with the cancer diagnosis of his then five-year-old son. As Napoleon Hill famously stated, every adversity, every failure, every heartbreak carries with it the seed of an equivalent or greater benefit. Come and join us on our journey to create a blue zone community with a focus on a holistic approach to anti-cancer, regenerative farming, and strengthening local economies. Ray, thank you so much for uh, joining us to share your wisdom. I have come across your work in varying ways and it always kind of intersects back to soil as we dive into regenerative agriculture. And I'm not sure there's anybody that is better known for understanding soil than you, my friend. So uh, can you give us the, the little brief intro and uh, how you got to be the soil guy? Well, thanks, Logan. Thank you for being uh and for inviting me, really. And uh, thanks for saying that kind words. I'll pay you later after the show. That was that was so gracious. Um, my journey started really, Logan, uh, about 17 years ago. It was about, I was working with NRCS, USDA. It used to be called Soil Conservation Service, just so the audience would know. Soil Conservation Service was created in 1935. And it was created by... The Congress and, and the president, they were having such massive degradation of our soils on a, on a national scale. They were blowing and uh, we were losing feet of, of soil during the, the Great Depression. So if you see those kind of imagery, that's why uh, it, it started. And I worked, I worked for them 30 years and it was about halfway towards my career. Um, I started to realize something Logan was very, very wrong. I started to realize that uh, one, our water wasn't getting cleaned up. Uh, every time irrigation season would come on that lake and Snake River, well, I was living in Idaho at the same at the time, working in Oregon, and I worked on that border. And the Snake River separated the two states, and I could see every time irrigation season would come that all the irrigation erosion was going into the Snake River. It really bothered me. We were spending billions of dollars. And then number two, I could see that um, farmers couldn't bring their sons and daughters back into the operation, even though they would farm four or 500 prime acres of agricultural land. There wasn't enough money to bring another family. And I couldn't understand. You can't make a living on 500 acres of vegetables and prime agricultural land. Something's wrong. And I think that's, it started to make me question. And I think what what resonated with me, and remember I went to eight years of university and I studied and I said, something's wrong. And it was reading Ellen Savory's book on holistic management, going to Gabe Brown's ranch in 2007, the, the light went on. I'm going, oh my goodness, 
I missed it. All these years of university experience, we did not talk about the power of the soil biology in the soil. That really, I didn't really understand the soil was alive, just like you and I, Logan. It's, there, it's, it's, a, it's the most diverse ecosystem on the planet. It's like 50% of all biodiversity is in the soil. So what I learned was chemistry, how to control nature, how to force it with pesticides, chemicals, fertilizer, tillage, and genetically manipulating everything we do and treating our animals like in a concentration camp and forcing nature like a giant, um, like a giant uh, industrial, uh, how would they say, in, um, in various uh, factories. And, 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 and I was taught wrong. So that's how my story got me into soils. And I started becoming a very strong advocate of reading all the soil ecology re- research. And then I start to realize I wasn't just the only one, Logan, but I was, I was teaching all over the country. A majority of people were taught the same way. And I just got back from Venezuela, Guatemala, Uganda, and all of them. All of them picked up our industrial model. And this destroyed our planet and our health. And it's been, and we paid a heavy, we paid a heavy toll for that. That whole questioning seems to be this underlying theme around most everybody that, you know, we interview, we visit with, whether it's a health, a business, farming, it doesn't really matter. It's like something's not right. And then you start finding answers and you find more people that are questioning things that have an alternative answer. And then when we start looking at this cause and effect, it's either working or it's not working, right? And so we we just visited with uh, Alejandro down there out of the Chihuahuan Desert. And I love his story and what he's doing. And Ray, you being in Missouri, I think this is, uh, you know, similar for us. What happens in the Chihuahuan Desert affects us in Missouri and Arkansas, right? Like if you start looking at this, uh, the climate, and if we have a desert to the west of us or we have a productive grassland, it's going to have a big impact on us right here in the uh, Arkansas River Valley. You're right, Logan. And see, I think most people don't understand that uh, uh, everything is one, intimately connected, ecology, quantum physics, everything teaches you, even in, in the spiritual realm, everything is one, everything's connected. I've got connected everything as a, as a collective one. So does it matter how we farm in Chihuahua? Does it matter how we farm in Iowa? Absolutely, it does. It makes a huge impact. The, the climate is, and the earth is a collective unit. It works together. Individual pieces, communities to make a collective one. Absolutely, you're right, Logan. And that's the issue. And what we were taught in college is disconnectness. It's amazing. When I first walked to a farmer and the first thing farmers say, now listen to what they tell me. But Ray, cover crops won't work here. Cattle won't work here. And I look at him and I smile. I said, now hold on a second. You mean to tell me your farm's part of the moon and Mars? And they look at me very strangely. I said, your soils have biology. They have bacteria. They have microbes, they have protozoa, they have living organisms. The first thing we should be asking is, what do we have in common with Arkansas and the Chihuahuan Desert? Life, soil life, biology. It runs on biodiversity. Biodiversity on top, 
biodiversity on the bottom. We never ask those questions. And that's the problem. We're always creating distinction, delineation, but we don't sit back and say, hey, what do we have in common? That's the first questions we should be asking. I love that. Uh, little little bit of a tangent. I just got done uh, interviewing Dr. Jack Cruz and then Morley Robbins and two of, uh, you know, just very, very intelligent guys that understand things that I don't, right? But when when Dr. Cruz is talking about light in this quantum biology and qu- circadian cycles, and then Morley's diving into the uh, the science behind minerals and how copper affects everything from, you know, the enzymes to the shikimate pathway. I mean, he's getting into it, right? Right. What I find with these, these type of, you know, uh, I don't know, pioneer may be the, the best word in whatever field it is, they almost always think about the differences, right? On this is why the other guy is wrong. And I don't even know how to address that going forward for myself because I am like what you just said. Where is this commonality for it to be right? How do yeah. how do we apply those things? Because I think both of them are right uh, in so yeah. many things. And if we brought it together, we get this synergistic effect and we move forward faster. Logan, what I do for me is I ask myself two questions. One, the science, how does it glorify the human body that God created? Two, how does it glorify the creation, bio, biomimicry? How does it mimic nature? See, because uh, we've destroyed our, our, a lot of our planet through science. Science that was asking wrong questions. We weren't asking the right question. I sh- the question should have been is, how do we emulate the creation? How do we emulate design? That's why I love the website called Biomimicry Institute by Janine Banias and that group. It says, and it's very simple, biomimicry, and it says, Colin, ask this very simple question. Ask nature. For Christians, it says, well, ask the creator. Why are we asking him, why don't we design our cities accordingly with biomimicry? Why aren't we see? Let me give you a concept of biomimicry. Birds, we learn how to fly by mimicking birds. Velcro was designed by mimicking um, the cocklebur. Biomimicry. So my, my whole point here is, Logan, is I want science that glorifies the human body and science that glorifies the creation and the design, intelligent design. How do I farm? How do I work with that design? not force it, not genetically splice it, don't control it, work with it, love it and nurture it. And so once you start asking that science, those that you set that paradigm, all of a sudden, a lot of science falls by the side. That's not important. And so that's how I use science to determine what, what to use as a, the right paradigm the right filter and how to interpret it because a lot of it is just plain junk. I tell people I've learned to be like a barnyard rooster, Logan, learn how to pick the kernels of truth in a pile of scientific crap. And so we're asking lots of wrong questions. They might've done the scientific method correctly, asking wrong questions. That's the whole thing that I do to help me because you know what? I don't have that kind of time to waste. I'm here to bring healing and help people uh, like you are, Logan, about bringing healing. I don't have time for that. 
And, and so there's a lot of science everywhere that's all over the board. And so that's why my two basic premises I use. I love that. I think that's that's wonderful. So how do we here in Arkansas start to apply what you're talking about, what what you're doing with agriculture? How do we get how do how do we create that awareness that the farm matters, the soil that they're stewards of matter and and how do we support that method? Well, Logan, uh for example, you're doing that right now. People, social media is huge. Uh, movies like Kiss the Ground, over 10 million people watched that movie, and there was a billion impressions. It was a huge. Uh, Common Ground is coming out in theaters right now, and it's going to be exploding. People are searching, Logan. They're like you. You had a child that shouldn't have cancer at such a young age. So, so what's going on? Our environment, people are asking questions. You know, neat thing about your your generation, and I don't know if you're um, X generation, but X generation is saying, uh, the millennials, I'm sorry, the millennial generation are saying, hey, we don't want junk in our food. 70% of millennials read, read labels. They don't want junk in the food. They don't want garbage in the food. They don't want GMO products. They don't want fertilizer. They don't want pesticides. They don't want chemicals. They're searching. My daughters are foodies. I'm a foodie. What does that mean? We love quality food. Let thy food be thy medicine. So this mantra is, is just exploding. And there was a great magazine article on, on um, Farmer Magazine. I can't remember the name of the title. It's, and it had this mama pushing um, this. Her, she was holding her baby and pushing her cart. And it said on top, farmers... Look at your new boss. This is the future, Logan. People are wanting quality food. And General Mills and all these companies are, are positioning themselves because this is the future. And, and we're in the early stages of it, but this is the future. And I'm excited about it. We're, fin we're finally turning around that people don't have to die of cancer early. We don't have to be sick. And we could and it all starts with the soil. If we get the soil right, and I keep in the in the in the movie I said healthy soil equals to healthy plant, healthy plant, healthy animal, healthy animal, healthy human, healthy climate. Those are all interconnected things. And so I'm excited about that. I'm excited too, and I, I think as we we keep bringing people together, it's uh it's just that's what gets that critical mass. Um, Peter's coming up uh, in a, in a couple of weeks, so I'm really excited to sit down with him and and see how the documentaries have made the impact. I'm glad that you've been able to be highlighted in in that mm -hmm. work. What what do you think? As far as this greenwashing war, I guess, what do you think that there's a need for some sort of uh, terminology that's kind of standard or, or like what? How do we deal with all that? Is Gabe's, you know, Gabe and Cruz regenerify the answer or, or what do we do? It's uh, it's frustrating because I understand why Gabe's doing what he's doing and people, you know, like Mama that doesn't that's very detached 
from the land. She wants to look at a label and says, oh, this is regenerified. Or, But on the flip side, I've seen, well, we've had organic and it's failed miserably. The land's still destroyed. And right. so, and I've some of the some of the most destroyed farms I've been on I've been on organic farms that do excessive tillage. Yeah. And and so we've destroyed in the before the nineteen thirties, we've already just des- destroyed a good portion of the planet under an organic system. And so I mean, there was no chemicals, there was no pesticides. The reality is we have an ignorant populace, and I was ignorant. So why would we expect the people that are far removed from agriculture are going to understand what's going on? And then you have this factor where people want to make money from labeling or doing that. So it's a very, very complex thing because you're dealing with social conditioning. You're dealing with human nature. Um, We've done labels. And I haven't seen a collective collective effort that has really changed – modern agriculture. So I've still sticked with the fact uh, one heart, one mind at a time, teaching landowners, getting people more involved, um, podcasts like yours. And and I'm not saying that those other people are doing those labels and that. I'm not saying that those are not needed. I just haven't, I just don't want to be involved in that effort because I haven't seen through the organic label that we've really changed that much and only like two sure. or 3%. And then yet, it's, again, some of the most destroyed organic farms are just are, um, but here's the ironic: I still buy organic. I'll buy organic, but I'll buy organic because of the attitude, Logan, because they're yeah. trying to do an extra effort, not using chemicals, or they're if I. And that's why I love about the regenerative system is where you not only try to reduce the chemicals, but you try to reduce the tillage. You don't give tillage a break. And tillage is destructive, just like the chemicals are. So I'm in the camp. I don't care about your chemical tools. I don't care about your physical tools. I care about you understanding the goal, how to emulate the natural system and how to use the tools wisely and back off gradually so you don't go broke. So it's, it's, I'm, I'm an educator. That's where I'm coming from. That's where I'm working with farmers, ranchers, wherever wants to work with us and educate the, 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 the common people. On the on the health and education side, one area that has absolutely seemed to take off lately is the carnivore movement, the carnivore diet. And so, like yeah. uh, you know, Sean Baker, Anthony Chafee, Ken Berry. Um, but what yeah. I have what what I have seen is it's actually it's been life changing for a whole whole lot of people. And so I I I am a much more meat based. Uh, eater than I ever have been. And I, anyways, I digress. What I see that as though is a amazing tool for awareness that, that community, that tribe of people that are questioning the status quo. And a lot of them are embracing the regenerative agriculture movement or, and not only the regenerative side, the localized side. So they were, they're wanting to source their, their food, from as close as possible. And so having the farmer's market, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to create this hub of local in season and, and support the farmers, partner with the farms that are doing the regenerative practices uh, as much as possible. So have you seen anything from a a certain community that seems to be supporting this more 
than another one? Are, are you familiar with the carnivore uh, community at all? Wow, man, Logan, that's it's going viral. It's gone everywhere. Like I listen to every time I follow on 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 X or YouTube, like uh, Jordan Peterson. Jordan Peterson yeah. is like a big lion diet, more meat, and blah blah blah. This has gone a, more of a global perspective. I mean, it's just gone large because I think uh, we began to realize. Uh, I love the word balance. I love the the balance of it, having meat, having other uh, breads. You know, if you look at back in biblical times, you know, they used to call it the land of milk and honey. Well, what does that mean when you talk about the land of milk and honey? When, if you look at the the Old Testament narrative, when God drove the Israelites out of Egypt, which was an industrial ag system by Pharaoh, he moved them into a system that was a grazing system, that the rain brought all... And it was a grazing system. It was a system that depended on rain. But notice the terminology, the land of milk and honey. Alejandro and I have talked about that. Well, what does it take to have honey and milk in that area? One, biodiversity. Bees have to have pollinating uh, plants. And you have to have, and how do, what does it take to have milking animals? Well, you have to have rich grasses and rich biodiversity of plants and all that. In other words, a system that would be able to express habitat for the for the bees and allow enough feed for the animals. So it took a management and it took a grazing pastoral ecosystem. So that's the beauty that I love about it. And then the neat thing about it is when you have that kind of system, the animals are able to take up all those photonutrients, not just micronutrients, but photonutrients from each plant. I raise sheep and I can watch my sheep. They'll, they'll bite this, they'll bite that plant, they bite this. Think of all the molecules that they're picking up from each plant and it's relocating into the meat. This is what we're talking about. Bringing nutrient dense, not only from micronutrients, but photonutrients that, that, are, that are bringing that kind of health. So that's what we're talking about, not an animal that's – you can see most people are very confused between grass-fed and grass-finished. And I'm sure Alan and Gabe have told you about that grass-fed – most cattle are grass-fed throughout the country, except for the last three months. Grass-finished is they're completing their life at the end and making sure that they're grass-finished all the way to the end. And they're making sure that they're picking up all those molecules and they're not under stress and they're, they're animals of life and health. Not very many people know how to do that well because those last three months dictate whether you're going to have a nice tender steak with flavor. You know, a lot of, uh, of grass-finished steak is really flavorful but really tough. So it takes a very special animal. It takes a lot of special skills to make it grass finished it's it's not that easy so you those are the kind of nuances one has to be aware of why why is it necessary to use animals to help build the soil versus letting it just go and let nature do its thing oh good question logan that's the whole point nature doesn't farm without animals Nature does not farm without animals. 
every forest, every um, uh, prairie have animals in it. Nature farms with animals. And so that's one of the, the, the biological, ecological principles. Animals, you know, nature farms with animals. That's why when I work with farmers, if I have farmers that have the management skills, we try to integrate animals into the cropping system. Why? Oh, my goodness. If you, if you see Alejandro's ranch, and I've been there four times, you see how the manure and the urine and the, and the hoofs break the crust. They help part of the nutrient cycle. The, the grass was designed for the cow, and the cow was designed for the grass. They're designed to be together. You can't separate them. You can't have a healthy ecosystem, especially a grazing ecosystem without herbivores. It's just not going to happen, period. Uh, just real quick, Logan, I just want to make the, the viewers understand we can't heal the, the, the climate and we cannot heal the planet without animals, period. It's not going to happen. And I, I, people are so confused. It's not the cow. It's the how. Absolutely. I love it, my friend. So what have you seen in your travels across the world that uh, might be an example that we can help follow or, or just look towards what what's going on somewhere else that's just really cool and exciting? Let me tell you, um, I, had a, I had a conundrum. I, uh, this last, I was telling you, I just got back from Uganda. I was in Venezuela. I was in Colombia. But something happened to me in Guatemala that was very, very interesting. It was it really it was around July. I was consulting on a 50,000-acre uh, sugarcane, and I was helping him transition to getting away from chemicals and being more regenerative. And sometimes some of the most coolest thought processes when you have water on you and you're taking a shower and you're thinking, I said, you know, I don't like this industrial egg. I don't like this model. I don't like concentration camp of animals in there and and i've struggled for a long time and i don't blame the producer i blame our system for putting animals in that they force these producers to raise animals in this kind of confinement but also we're doing hundreds of thousands of acres of monocultures which is then something dawned on me that i that i was wrong logan i started to realize that I was trying to get upset about the, how big, and I wanted smaller farms and more people on the land. And that may not be within my time period. It might come down the road. And I hope that's in the future. So more people get attached to the land. But here's my point. I come to the conclusion, if you have moral leaders who are the leaders of the ownership of these large farms where they're, and if they care and love people and care about the, their employees and they care about the land and they care about how they do things, the place begins to change and they do it on a large scale. And I was beginning to realize it really is the moral fortitude of the human being. If they do have a love for the people, for the land and for the employees, great things can occur. Let me give you another example. I was working with Wes uh, Les in, uh, uh, well, his name is Wes, and then he's um, London, and then he's a Thai. They have a big, there's a big operation they have in Garden City. And I went and, I went and taught a course. 
and uh, brought my rain simulator, taught them, and it's a big confined feeding operation. And now a transformation has happened. Their mind changed the way they look at things. And now they're allowing the animals to come out of the confined area and graze the pivots. And they're gaining like 2.8 pounds a day where the, in the confined is 3.1 and they're applying biologicals. They're using insult, the algae, put it on the pivots. They're getting great. I mean, the animals are getting fat. They're happier and they are at awe. Like, wow. And they're saving money and they're not using diesel to move feed from one place to the other. And they're letting the animals pick up the, the, the feed themselves. And they're doing these amazing things. And they're, they're bringing health to the soil and they're making the animals healthier because they're not confined and they're gaining and they're making money. But the most beautiful thing is the transformation in their minds and how they're beginning to look at the system. How even in our giant construct of our factory type of agriculture, we can infuse ecology into it and make it better and bring health. And I'm just like, wow, Logan, that is hope. And I'm seeing it in a large scale. So I, I was really, really ecstatic about that. So I feel I had to share that with you, Logan, because that gives me a lot of hope the future well that yeah that's a, if you can get that type of an operations attention to shift a little bit i think that's a beautiful beautiful win oh, right yeah. if you if you could sit down with the secretary of ag here in arkansas uh it's west ward he's he he's a great dude um but what what would you what would you tell him or what advice if 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 the the Arkansas Division of Agriculture brought you in to consult. What advice do you give them? You know, <laughs> I, I've gone to a point. I don't even like to give advice, really. It, it's to a point because <laughs> uh, I've had people come to me, Logan, please, Ray, can you come and talk to my grandpa? Can you come and talk to my parents? Can you do this, blah, blah, blah? I said, <laughs> I said no, because I tried playing God one time, a lot of times, and it doesn't work. You can't change people's hearts and minds. You can't. It, it's, and so sometimes uh, Gabe and I have this saying, um, when the student is ready, the teacher will come. And, and I've always, I, I'm beginning to really, and sometimes I, I lose control and you get so excited and you want to tell people and you want to give them hope and blah, blah, blah. But if the Secretary of Agriculture come and talk to me from Arkansas and says, right, if you had one thing to do, what would you do? And I said, Mr. Secretary, cover the soil. Cover all of Arkansas. When I, I used to work in Arkansas, and um, I was responsible, lived there for about two, three months in the state office just before I was ready to retire. I've been all over Arkansas, Logan. And during the winter and the fall, it looks like the moon. Yep. You can fly over Arkansas, it's bare, it's uncovered. Yep. And and so when the soil's uncovered, see, Logan, most people don't understand, without a living plant, the soil doesn't eat. The ancient people used to call the plant the mouth of the soil. What we have in Arkansas is we have a lot of starving organisms. The soil is hungry, 
because it doesn't have its covering and it's not capturing sand and feeding the microbes. It's thirsty because it, a lot of the water's running off because there's no, the plant's not make, helping and feeding the microbes and creating aggregation so the water enters. It's, it's, um, it has a fever during the summer because it doesn't have its covering. And so it's hungry, thirsty, running a fever. All of Arkansas soils are in really bad shape. A majority of them are. I think the only person I know, like Adam Chapel and a very few in Arkansas, they're doing regenerative farming, doing an excellent job. They always have that ground covered. So Logan, even before tillage and getting rid of the chemicals, I said, Mr. Secretary, if we can cover Arkansas and see it green, you would restore not only saving nutrients from getting into the Mississippi, help the climate very quickly. So you have green and you're capturing photosynthesis. You're lessening nutrients and pesticides getting into the water. You're getting beauty. So when you see green during Arkansas, that part of Arkansas, and you see it, it changes your attitude. It makes the people feel healthy, happy. It, it elucidates them. It gives them joy, gives them hope just by doing that one thing. Because in Arkansas, you can grow all these winter crop, cover crops, and it'll be green all year. Think about that, Logan. That'd be huge. We're talking hundreds of thousands of square miles. And Arkansas is so discouraging. It's like flying over the moon. That's what I would say to the secretary. How do we how do we get people to cover the soil? Cover the soil. That's that's perfect. So we've, you know, we we travel and film all over the state, and you know, I work with farmers all over. And the the eastern and southern part of Arkansas is just decimated. It, it's 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 really sad. Um, yeah. And one thing that really gives me hope is uh, we went down to Bluffton uh, to, to White Oak Pastures with Will Harris. We filmed a little documentary down there. But what Will's been able to do through vertically integrating regenerative agriculture on his farm is build community. And that is such a beacon of hope. Um, and, and again, I think that's why these documentaries and stuff y'all are doing are, are so important too. But that that regenerative content, I feel like that cover crop is that first step just to get attention and and the positive first step. So, um, man, I, I just I just wish it was easier to just say, hey, we we can do this. Oh yeah, Logan. It's one of the most difficult things to change is the human mind. Uh, keep in mind, we've all been social conditioned at the university, social conditioning church, social conditioning at, the, at, the, at your home. We do social conditioning at the house. We do social conditioning um, in workplace. Every aspect, humans are like, I raise sheep. Humans are like sheep. We, we like to be in a little flock and we don't like to be separate from the flock. And we will kill ourselves to be part of that flock and that social conditioning so if you start off with the wrong premise, wrong paradigm, everything follows after that. And we follow itself. And anybody outside the community that thinks differently, you start bringing cover crops, you start going to no-till. Everybody in the peripheral of the community starts to blast you and rip into you. That's part of that social conditioning. So back to the place, Logan. Why is that plant so amazingly important? Because you're taking light energy and transforming it into liquid energy of carbon molecules and sugars and thinning that. But think about what the plant has to do. 
transforms that soil, creates aggregates, so it creates pores like little BBs, so it allows infiltration, creates habitat for all the insects that live on top, in the bottom, feeds the cow, feeds the animals, feeds the human. Oh, my gosh. Plants are conduits of life. They, they are so important. And yet, we're probably capturing sun about 130 days, most of the Midwest. 130. Last time I saw, we get 365 days of sun. So that's where we're at, Logan. And why are we? Because we don't think the soil's alive. We treat it like dirt. Well, maybe, maybe uh, we're we're almost there. Maybe we're almost there to to turn the corner. I, I got to, something from your perspective as a farmer. What what is the biggest need that you have on the the outlet side, say uh, selling lamb or the breeding stock, or what? What's that biggest need that or challenge that you have in running the sheep business? The biggest challenge for me is, um, for me, it's been pretty easy because sheep are um, uh, hasn't been the problem at all, really, because I I can sell them at the local sheep place. Arkansas has some great markets for sheep. Of uh, sheep markets are doing really well. I always had the same um, cattle. Uh, I I just want a couple of cows to give me a little respectability, but it's the sheep that make the payments and pays the land. So sheep make more money than cattle. So I have, but the biggest challenge is learning the experience and learning how to manage correctly. I think your the biggest struggle one has is the first three to five years learning how the grazing patterns, how to understand observation and learning. The the biggest challenge overcoming Logan is learning the the correct ecological principles, the concepts, uh, learning the how to mimic the architecture, learning the skill set is huge. Farming and ranching is very difficult, Logan. I tell people being an engineer is easy. Going to the moon is easy. Try and make a living on a ranch and farm that changes every day, every second, every moment. And 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 try to be a, an agronomist, a mechanic, an engineer, uh, a mechanical engineer, a welder, an accountant, a bookkeeper, blah, 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 and a salesman. Have, have I not fulfilled all the just, – just a little tiny part of all the skill sets of being a farmer and a rancher? It's huge. There's days I wonder if I'm even qualified. You know, and that's just the bottom line. I think that goes back to another aspect that I'm so passionate about is on health. Like if if our farmers to me, they're they're the frontline soldiers of society. Mm -hmm. If our farmers aren't healthy, if they're not optimized, they're not going to perform as as well. Right. And so I think that's why the topics of health are something that uh they don't always resonate uh, with the farming followers, but I think it's unbelievably important that we take health into account as part of our business plan. No, no, I think so. Look, um, one of the things we, and me included, we don't start paying attention to our health until we get sick or we get severely sick. You know, I have a wife that's got autoimmune issues. 
and she's been suffering for it for six years. And when you have somebody that's really close to you and they're sick and you have this human being completely transformed uh, and you say, who took my wife? Something happened to my wife. The sickness absolutely abducted my wife. You've had, Logan, a sick uh, family member. You understand that. And until you can embrace that and understand that you don't even have a clue what it means, how critical food is. Ironically, Logan, we treat our human bodies like we treat our animals. Our animals that are in confined operation, they, they, are, they are given food to fill themselves, to satiate themselves, to get fat. And, but it's not about quality or nutrient density. It's not about their condition. And we ourselves have done that to ourselves. What a paradox. We do the same thing when we go to the dinner table. We have no love and respect for that food. We don't understand how sanctimonious, how precious it is to have that food. Let me give an example. Best little phrase I ever read about food goes like this. It was in this magazine. And I never forgot it. It says, if the food, Logan, is so delicious, it's so well prepared, and it was timely, and it's, and every morsel is delicious, like eating manna from heaven, that if you invite your family members that you do not like, but if that meal is so precious and is delicious, you might even forgive them. That's how the power of, of a meal is and food. That's why when people ask me to go speak at various areas um, of the country and to say, hey, Rick, can you be a, a lunch a, a spokesman, a, a talker, a presenter, or a dinner? I said, no, I refuse. I will never do that. Because that meal with people is a communion. It's sacred. It's a fellowship. And we've lost that. When when I was raising my daughters and we homeschooled and we had that fellowship every day when we had that meal and we would visit with each other and we would eat and we would rejoice of God's benevolence and we would sit there in community and fellowship. We've lost that, Logan. And we don't I don't think we've appreciated it. Like you go to Europe, oh my gosh, the bread was amazing. <laughs> and when you go to different parts of the world, the food is amazing a lot better than our own country. And so we need to ask ourselves what's happened to us. We've lost that. Well, hopefully we just keep asking questions and we keep finding these answers through uh, visits and the great work of so many, because there, there really are so many of us out there fighting and, and Ray, I appreciate you, brother. I appreciate you taking the time to sit down and visit and and share uh, the work that you've done and the work I know you'll continue to do. So, uh, Please let me know when you're in Arkansas uh, and not not just out traveling the world. Thank you, Logan. Well, uh, Logan, you're also welcome to come and come and visit my farm. You you're definitely welcome because um, what you're doing. Let me let it this way, Logan. We work as a collective, as a community. What you're doing with your wife, you and the group right there that you're you're doing in your podcast. People listen. And they're learning and they're growing and they're changing. So that's why I love what we say, one heart, one mind at a time. 
and we're going to change this country. Because I think one of the things I get very, it's very disappointing when you hear about the Ukraine war and you hear about Israel and blah, 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 and you hear the world's coming to an end, blah, blah, blah. I don't agree. I'm sorry. I don't see it that way. I see amazing healing going on all over the globe. Families, um, communities, you know, the population rate that's going down globally. People have a higher income than they've ever had in their lives. And I think sometimes fear, that's why I've stopped watching news, fear promotes uh, cells. Fear sells. And, and we've lost perspective. There's an amazing thing going on globally that God is doing. There's amazing healing that's going on. So in my last phrase, I'm working very hard, like you and many, how to bring living the kingdom of heaven onto the earth and make a mere image of it and how we can reflect as image bearers of God, of Christ, how do we can change the land? That's, that's our motto. How do we change it and how do we reflect it in every aspect we do from the way we eat, the way we treat people and the way we love and the animals and everything else. There we go, Logan. What more can we ask for? Amen, brother. Amen. Amen. Right. Amen. Thank you so much, buddy. Thank you for joining us on Sowing Prosperity. Be sure to follow along across the social media platforms, including YouTube, and be sure to go to sowingprosperity.com.